You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right. Let's see here. If this red light is to be believed, I do mean that it probably means we're live now. Yes. Hey, everyone. Welcome to an exciting new episode of Low Key on the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, all right. Your host for this evening, uh, my name is uh, Harry, a.k.a. The Moving Target. Um, tonight's episode should be a fairly fun one. Um, we're discussing um, Gundam double uh, double. 080 war in the pocket and we're also dealing with um rascal dreams of bunny girl senpai fair hope i said that right and then uh, straight into the fiction but of course as you know um that i don't fly solo i always make sure i bring a ring with me um so i bring um a chair and vincent vincent you know um you know the chair doesn't want to talk right now so yeah it's fine it's fine hello and you said it almost right it's it doesn't he doesn't dream that's the whole point. Close. So close. Well, I'm sorry. If I don't get your gigantic, long weeb uh, name uh, done. Uh, that's fair. I, I I completely understand. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but uh, so, like I said, uh, we will we'll, we'll introduce Reinhold when he gets back to his chair. But we get to see his nice, amazing chair. And oh, look at that. <laughs> Like I was just waiting for I was waiting for the right time to just kind of pop up. <laughs> As you guys may know, Reinhold hangs out with I used to hang out with the uh, Henson crew. All right. <laughs> I was Fraggle Rock. <laughs> Soon to be Twitch mod. Uh <laughs> Abacabro right holds on that head gain down there. Uh, <laughs> seem to be Twitch Oh, so good. <laughs> or gear. Yeah, I may like uh, when we uh, really get good on YouTube, I'll probably give give uh, that guy gear. He's getting the gear. Anyway, um, <laughs> right go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Ryan Holt. Um, and yes, I did did do some work with the Henson Company. So but that was before we got, you know, that's when they were on SNL and got. Kicked mm-hmm. off because they were too dirty, <laughs> right? Any of those tapes exist? Oh, yeah, you can get all the Saturday Night Live stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can watch the Saturday Night Live episodes with them doing the, uh, the really bad, really bad skits. Really bad. <laughs> all right, so, um, it's a cold night here in Indy, um. By cold, I mean, well, it's under 70 degrees, so it's cold for me. Um, <laughs> um, so they pulled me out of the Kotatsu, which I was going to do this whole episode of the Kotatsu, but my daughter refused to leave the Kotatsu if I don't leave the Kotatsu. So <laughs> we both decided to leave together at the same time, watching each other. No trust. Um, but <laughs> I now was talking to Vincent saying that, hey, I really wanted to go make some coffee uh, to warm myself up. And he goes, why do you make some tea? And I tell you, because I really only like tea one way. Um, I like it um, this really complicated way, but I learned how to make it. And it's really, really good when I do it this way is I've got to get a good hot rolling boil on it. Um, first, you know, so that since I don't have an electric kettle, I just have things that make hot water or I have to use my stovetop. Now, I do have like a little stovetop kettle, which 
get there. And so I'd sit there, wait for it to get hot, and then pour it in my cup. And then, well, I also have to pre then pre warm the cup, and then pour that out, then add the hot water, then add the tea bag, and then, you know, wait the step time to make sure I get some good tea. Other than that, it tastes like awful hot leaf juice. And I can feel Uncle Iroh looking at me going <laughs> with shame, like pathetic. <clears throat> <laughs> so i really only like tea that way like will i drink tea yeah 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 so much so they say like you know what I mean you have other methods to make hot water gels well one the espresso machine which is sitting in my office here which will be moved to the studio uh once uh spangle dear leader gets it all set up and actually can be there so i'll bring the espresso machine which is a good espresso machine it actually grinds um beans pushes down into the, the canister, so you patent it down, and they actually can make, you know, fresh special with fresh ground beans. It's a really cool system. It's like an $800 special machine. Uh, it's really, really nice, and I'm going to bring it to the studio. Um, and then I also, which has a hot water button feature, so you can do some sort of tea off it. It's not really that hot. I think it comes out at 180 degrees. So it's not, you know, it's not that hot. It's yeah. not that hot, yeah. You know, still McDonald's hot, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got one of those uh, water coolers things that you put the water on the top and it's got a little hot water on the side. That one only comes out, I think, less than that is like 165 at the most, I think. You know, so that's it's hot water, but it's, it's not good for making tea. Does it, it's not hot enough to make good tea? It's with, not the so. same, it's not the same. I've got one of those with a uh, zero water filter. Uh, container on it so you put water in there and it does the zero water filtering mm -hmm. um, which gets rid of everything I mean, you put a detection a mineral detection in there you get zeros nice. so that's pretty good nice. and then it just dispenses it cold or hot so it's a nice little thing but I, I know a lot of people with tea when it comes to tea have it it's more about their ritual than mm -hmm. it is about the actual drinking of the tea yeah, see, I don't have the ritual aspect on tea. It's just like if I do it these steps, um, it tastes good. <laughs> when it comes to coffee, oh yeah, I'm 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 down for the ritual. <laughs> I will sit there and do what I need to to make good like a cup of coffee. I will grind beans. I used to grow up with uh, my mother used to make me grind the beans up with a hand crank, the hand crank grinder, <laughs> grind it up. Yeah, that's fair. I used to go, we used to go to the store and buy the, you know, the beans and have the grinder grind it up for us and take them home. And then now I just have a Keurig and I just don't care. <laughs> what about the planet, Reinhold? You get one of those. So you get one of those renewable. So what you do is you get the, you get this coffee like you do before with the grinding mm -hmm. and everything else. You can still do that. They make these K cups that you open up and you can put your coffee into it and mm -hmm. use it. And then when you're done, you pull it out and put another one in and do that. You can do it with tea too. You can put tea in there and use the Keurig for the tea. So that's what my wife does sometimes. Okay. All right. All right. But then, but then this time of year, there's also the K cups for the um, pumpkin spice. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, pumpkin spice coffee that uh, apparently my wife has been begging more for more of. I have to go get some more. <laughs> you know what they say? Happy wife. We went through two cases. Okay. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Always remember that. You know, if anyone says like that's sexist, that's statistics. Okay. It's, 
it's facts. <laughs> You've got facts saying that, like, <laughs> that's fact. Your chances of divorce goes completely down if your wife is happier than you. All right. So, <laughs> anyways, let's see. Uh, future Twitch mod, uh, Epica Bro. My ritual is going to Casey's grabbing a 52 ounce no ice, fill it to the top, and slam it in my car as I stare at people skating by with 10 and on five and a pack of luckies, which I'm assuming he means lucky strikes. Um, mm-hmm. That is uh, that's awful. That's disgusting. Um, <laughs> this is the worst. I hate you. <laughs> I can't believe you would do that at all. It's just really crazy. Yeah, <laughs> awful. Yeah, yeah. Right on says your, your habit is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Luckies, that's what he's mad about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so today's episode, uh, we're gonna uh, back on to the media that have shaped us, shaped some of our opinions, shape how we view the world. Basically, you know the piece of us that helps, you know, you know, just, you know, in our background, what's in the back of our heads, what are we talking about? Um, I think one thing we did not do this episode was discuss uh, who's going to, who wanted to go first this time around. So I think, uh, have we all gone first before, right? Yes. I know I went last one, first ones. Yeah. I still like doing the me in the middle just because, you guys are a little close to each other on content, and this kind of breaks it up. <laughs> Good old Reinhold, this guy here, this guy. Oh, you guys are close to each other. Well, fine, fine. Screw it. Does it make sense? I think it flows better. Does it? Does it? Yeah. Does unless, it? unless you want somebody just to listen to my bit and then sleep for the rest of the forty minutes. Rude. Oh, wow. 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 Uh, but he's right bro. here. He he's right here. He needs a bath. We need a bathroom break in the middle of the episode. What? No. For Reinhold's, no. obviously. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> 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 oh snaps! It's Reinhold. Be right back. You got to book in the yeah. bad content with the good content, so that people will watch the whole thing. If you mm-hmm. if you leave the bad content hanging off the back end or off, up in the front, you uh, you lose you lose viewers that way. Well, how don't you don't uh, bad content break bad fourth wall? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's not do that then. Anyway, so moving into my topic. Uh, so media that helped shape me um, growing up is have to be, I want to say like, um, it to be my third or is it my fourth foray into the Gundam universe, going into the Gundam universe's entry 0080 or in my pocket. This is a very small, um, this is based off a very small um, manga series, uh, I, dang it! I was about to say manga. I was gonna just, just you know, just yeah. There we go. There it goes. That's the that's the disrespect I wanted. <laughs> Small manga uh, series, um, and uh, inside the Universal Century. So last week to Gundam Wing, which is its own alternate timeline, different universe. So we're going back to Universal Century. So this was with Eighth Mobile Suit Gundam and all the other UC stuff that I talked about. So in the exact same time, uh, Universal Century um, Double Eighty. So right. In the, the beginning of the war, um, you've had um, this little small segment, <laughs> which um, Gundam, what it likes to do is to give different facets and things that are going on that with the war. Um, and this one is told from the eyes of the kids or and basically the general public. And uh, it does open up with... Um, 
um, Zeon and the Earth Federations um, fighting it out on Earth, trying to get a shipment out, which is, you have no idea where they're going, you don't have no idea what they're shipping, right? Uh, but you do see, uh, you get some, you know, um, you get people fighting it out and dying and, uh, and thinking about what's going on. And then you open up to the episode and introduce to the uh, the protagonist of this of the Zovier, and you get to the uh, basically so they get to see the whole show through this eyes of um, of a kid of what's going on. And of course, kids when they see mobile suits or anything big at that age, especially young boys at fifth, fifth grade, sixth grade ish, you know, they're not they're pre you know they're, they're not in technically primary school, but not like all the way through junior high ish. Um, and so, you know, big machineries are just got off dinosaurs, basically. So like, look at big machineries. And of course, the, to the war effort, which the war hasn't touched their spot inside the world. Um, the war is romanticized. The war is cool to them. They're looking at the mobile suits, which to them are jets and tanks on either side, which each, um, their colony really hasn't picked a side in the war. So they're looking at tanks and you know, romanticizing both sides of it and getting word back and doing different things. It's it, it's so like and all these kids see this war as just something distant. And as they build and set that up, you get to the um, the following episodes and that as that war comes knocking on their own door on their doorstep. Um, they're in school one day um, after arguing like the one side didn't have a good mech, the other ones had the better ones, and lo and behold, a new model mech pops out, uh, pops out, and they end up fighting it. Um, um, and this Earth have the Earth Federation, the Young Forces, end up fighting right there in front of the school. So everybody is running to um, get to shelter and running away, but like you know, they're kids. This is this fight's going on. These these amazing mechs um, are popping out. So the kids basically run to the action they want to see what's going on and this is um, this is how we're more introduced to more characters um so like the fight happens the zaku gets damaged and so it is the, the uh, earth federation um, gundam gets damaged um so the zaku runs they everyone runs away the kids follow the zaku they find the zaku damaged and it's and the and you get introduced to the the Zaku pilot. Um, uh, man, his name is Bernie. Now, <laughs> oh man, sorry. I watched this today, and I will say this: <laughs> it messed with me oh, after all these years. It still messes with me. Um, so um, you met you meet the Zaku pilot. So the guy like, and the kid likes uh, infantilizes with because it's a pilot of a mech of things that they were talking about and he has one you know so like helps him hide his mech and they're going you know hanging out with the other people the federation people who you know so the zeon forces that are on there like do like doing like spare missions for them and then they're doing bad stuff there um and then later on the show you end up meeting the earth federation pilot but you don't know it's the other earth federation oh i should put the uh yield spoiler tag already there Already there. Yep. You meet the other pilot, which you don't know this up until the end of the show um, pops up, and it's the uh, it's, it's Alan's uh, na uh, it's uh, Alan's 
um, the boy, right? The little kid that you're following through the series. Uh, it's his next door neighbor that he knew growing up, uh, Chris. It's her, right? But he doesn't know this yet. Nobody knows it. This is his top secret. She, she was basically on that transport ship that you noticed in episode one and flying to and then and they're basically evacuating because they had Gundam on them. So they were trying to, they were basically running with Gundam. So fast forward, so like they're doing missions, then you find out that the the Zeon troops are threatening to nuke that colony and nuke it out of the sky. Um uh, Bernie and just having second thoughts about it, which you find this out out around the end. So it culminates to like these two like factions basically wanting to battle it out and duke it out after each other. And you basically use these kids basically like home as their battleground. Um, so like to me, it's very reminiscent of the stuff like some of the dark tales you hear of from World War One, World War Two, where yeah, they're fighting and shooting in the United States. You hear about this stuff, but the idea that like you know that's someone's backyard they're shooting in. You know this is you know that's that's someone's like farm that they're you know the tanks are rolling through. Like someone owns there. Someone used to live there or used to do things there. But and that's what this thing was. And you get to the point where the end, where um, this is like so. I, I was watching and reviewing it today to remind myself of a lot of things. And I like I watched the first two episodes in the morning. Um, then I had to go pick up Gunther uh, from school. And I decided to, I thought I hit pause. Apparently I didn't <laughs> all the way or something happened. And I leave, I go pick her up and I come back and I come back to the saddest part of the whole anime um, is at the end Um and because it, like I said, it culminates between Zaku and that Gundam having a rematch, fighting it because um, uh, uh, Bernie has never faced anybody with such skill as this Chris person. Uh, well, he has a Gundam, but he didn't know. And they end up fighting, and they end up almost killing each other. Uh, but uh, uh, the Gundam ends up killing the Zaku pilot and their iterations pulling up and as I was walking into it the you know you just hear the noise I heard the noise over the sound blasters like oh no get that uh, oh, how's that Zaku pilot he's hamburger okay so as the pilot's describing the the cockpit as they come up it's just hamburger meat inside there because he just shot up from the gap in guns and to show the seat the blood everywhere it's and the kid is just in shock of all this happening around him because he see because that's his friend that is not it was in that Zaku and he's just murdered up as they strikes to rescue the Gundam pilot out of the of the mobile suit. He at that point notices that that's his next door neighbor Chris because that's you know it was a mystery and he finally figures it out that's Herb there. And he's just all broken up and he kind of like passes out and the Earth Federation troops take him back home. And that's when he uncovers the tape of Bernie, one, admitting to his crimes of everything that he's done and also giving um, the, the, the boy uh, 
all the evidence that he all the all evidence that Alan needs to get the Earth Federation to prevent the colony from beginning a hit with a nuclear attack, um, if he can get someone to believe him. And the saddest, most touching point is that he talks about that he's you know he really doesn't like he's kind of done with this war, but all he wants to do is fight that pilot one more time, and he has to go do this. And then he talks about how he um really um uh, and asked how it's like hey if i don't make it out of here alive i really want to see chris again if i don't make it out of here itself chris i said hi you know uh mm-hmm. which he doesn't know look he died and he doesn't know that at the time he was violent chris and then you fast forward into this you know like and then he leaves and he sees chris walking around and chris's arm is all busted up from the fight and she's looking for Bernie and it's like hey I gotta leave soon I can't find Bernie if you see him tell him I said goodbye (laughs) so the kid is just like walking with all the struggle and then he gets to school right so this fight happened right this war basically a small little like battle happened and they got and their school's destroyed the police destroyed the town's mostly destroyed and the kid is and the school is sitting there talking about this is bad we will like we of course we will rebuild we'll try to get you some we'll figure out how we got to do classes going forward um and then hoping that the kids of this generation will grow up with peace in their hearts and want and never make a, wo- a world that has to have these types of you know like this is like uplifting speech and the kid just starts bawling and crying, right? Because like of every, you know, just really getting to him still. And um, the kids, because they're just kids, they're all kids, just keep going like, hey, why are you crying? I'm sure there'll be another war soon. Yeah, we get to watch some cool mechs blow up each other. Because to them, that, you know, all they see is like property damage. They didn't really have anything to like affect them. They didn't know the pilots. They didn't know anybody that got killed. Um, it was mostly just property damage. So it's just, you know. <laughs> So that anime was kind of double the way it wore my pocket. Now, like I said, it touched me because mostly it's brings into that aspect uh, in a in a fictional setting, uh, t- t- trying to tell the story of uh, what war happens to basically everyone around you, like, um, and brings a little bit to the other side of while I enjoy watching these Gundams and mechs fight. If you zoom in right to these gigantic battle machines fighting around, this is what it's technically doing to people around it. You know, it is destroying buildings, roads, infrastructure, schools as it falls, things are blowing up around it. People that you know that are battling this and people seeing it on TV, these things are happening. So it gives a more to me, gives that. Uh, reminder that while these may be fantastic weapons and everything else going on, like, hey, a lot of things that are happening still have consequences. Excuse me. That it's it was so it's very impactful for for me. Um, like I said, it's completely juxtaposed next to like Gundam Wing when it's just like you know when Trace is like I you know can view battling is beautiful. It's okay. Then you've got this with the dark side of it, the awful nature of it. And I will bring up more of that also in um, some of my, one of my, in, on the honorable mention episode. Uh, the, uh, with its uh, honestly with some G Gundam stuff because honestly, like G Gundam has a while it may have just been a crappy Street Fighter clone, it had some <laughs> great messaging to me. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's one of those things that when you see war for what it really is and mm-hmm. that taking what is essentially a toy commercial and putting 
reference around the toy commercial. It's like, hey, kids, kids are gonna watch this because they want to see what the mechs do and how cool that is. Oh, hey, guess what, kids? You're in the show too. This those kids saying that they, they can't wait for the next war. That's you. That's you. <laughs> Would you like some trauma with your toys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's basically what that was. Was like, would you like some trauma with your toys? <laughs> your thoughts, Reinhold? You're muted. Of course I am, because I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. That's how we professional. Work. Professional. No, well, you were you were saying a couple of things, but one of them was, uh, you know, it did he didn't know who the other person was and i was just immediately thinking about racer x for some mm-hmm. reason yep. oh yep. yeah i get yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah 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 i mean that's kind of that that level of mystery mm-hmm. by the way um full 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 disclosure i didn't understand who racer x was until i got older when I was That's a kid great. watching that, I was like, I don't know who this Bracer Rex guy. He's really cool. He's really cool. I don't know why he's like low key helping him the whole time, but right. I don't know. I don't get... Looking out for the guy. Yeah. I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was, remember, it was a mystery to, the, like, to them. Like, so, like, Chris didn't know who was the other pilot, didn't know, like, how did the Zaku keep knowing this information? Because it was the little boy feeding information to both sides, even because. You know, like I said, like he, he was just talking. He was just having fun, and we're like, "Oh, this happened? Where? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know." So yeah. it kind of, in in some sense, he unfortunately became a useful idiot for both sides mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yep. he had he, he was too innocent to know know better. Right. He's just like, "Cool, I I made a friend who piles that cool thing, and just just start talking to people about stuff." Yeah, and also deposit a really good piece of the lore also because when people start uh, where they really give to people that the main um, contractor, Anaheim Electronics, like all the parts works in the Zaku stuff and the Earth Federation, it's the same, basically the same mobile suits. They run the same operating system. They're basically the same parts. But you don't really get to the culmination that all this about Anaheim Electronics until kind of Unicorn. Way later, and Unicorn and Hathaway, too. By the way, so yeah. that is at what was that yeah. 40 50 years yeah, after you, the first the first yeah, season? Yeah, you got some time, yeah, yeah, just sprinkles, sprinkles. That's how you get sprinkles. <laughs> All right, I'm rest my I'm done. I will now rest let, your case, yeah, okay. rest my case. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Real quick, how do, how would you guys feel about playing a trailer for a movie? Oh no, oh no! Don't do that. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can as long as it's uh, as long as you don't get us. Uh, is there music Monetizer. on it? Is, is there music? Um, on it? it's just it's just a trailer for the movie. So I guess there's a background of uh, one of the songs from the movie. So I mean, if you would rather not, I, that's fine. I understand, but uh, just I, I think it's sometimes it's easier to see what you know. Yeah, just you know, I'm getting ready to talk about, but um, mm-hmm. no, that's all right. You do this. Um, hey, hey, we got some shout out here. Yeah, thanks hey, for the ch- bitties. Thanks for the bits. Cheering for Gundam. Good job. <laughs> Nerd shit. Yeah. So, my uh, my little spiel starts off 
uh, talking about the movie Stranger Than Fiction. And then I'm talking about the Will Ferrell movie um, that was released in 2006 and not the documentary about um, pro surfers faking surfing events. I, it's so got the what? same name, and every time I look for it, that's all I find because Stranger Than Fiction, for some reason, is not available on any streaming platform. Huh. Even though I'm it's more, one of the best movies ever made. I'm more interested in the surfer thing. Than <laughs> <laughs> it's out there. You can get it and you can watch it for free. Um, no, but Stranger Than Fiction really is. So if you've ever heard of uh, a concept called Chekhov's gun, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it basically says in literature that if you put a loaded gun somewhere at the beginning of the play or the story mm-hmm. and you don't use it at some point, then you're you're unfulfilling the reader. You're not mm-hmm. you're not giving them everything. You're you're telling them something and then ignoring it, and it it's a mm-hmm. it's a bad move to go with. So yeah, yeah uh, we've all seen the Last Jedi. I think the quote is: uh, <laughs> "If you introduce a gun in Act One, it has to be fired by the end of Act Three. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there have been even Chekhov did this where he had a play where he literally did that, even though he told mm-hmm. people not to, because his play was about unfulfilled you know expectations mm-hmm. and things like that so he was he's making a play on his own thing and that's where stranger and fiction comes fiction comes in because it really does present a, a literary examination of Chekhov's gun um, they introduce a concept really early on they introduce little pieces earlier on and they all play a part somehow in the movie but a lot of times not the way you thought hmm. yeah it's like Madison with, with two ends and a Y, but it's not where you think it is. So <laughs> the, the concept behind and, and the problem with the movie when it came out, I think, because most people who have actually sat down and watched it without any expectations have genuinely loved the movie. The problem is, is it stars Will Ferrell, you know, right about the time of, you know, Ron Burgundy and, mm-hmm. you know, Talladega Nights, and he's doing all this crazy, um, wacky character. comedy. Yeah, wacky comedy. You're in your face, very, very uh, upbeat. And in this movie, is not that. This movie is him being a very stodgy, um, by the numbers, um, OCD tax agent. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's that's kind of his state. So he's very, he's very prompt. He's very quiet. He just does his thing. And then this, uh, this thing happens to him and throws him off kilter and changes his outlook on life, on what his life means, what he wants out of everything, etc. cetera. Um, but when we talk about Chekhov's gun, there's an, uh, a concept introduced early on in the movie that starts the spiral that has to pay off somehow. And it does in a big way, and it's awesome. Uh, but that concept is, you know, he's living his life. He's doing his thing. His uh, watch that he has, he has this, this watch, and it um, malfunctions on him. So he has to stop it, restart it, and get it set back to time. So he asked the guy next to him at a bus stop to, to ask what time it was to set his watch. And then he hears, he starts hearing a narrator in his, in his head over the past, like, day or two talking about he's brushing his strokes, you know, he's brushing his teeth, this many strokes, he's counting them, he's doing the, you know, basically everything he's doing, and he's looking around like, 
hello is anybody you know he's can't he's trying to figure out what's happening so he's going through that and then he goes to the bus stop and the watch thing fails and the narrator says in his head but little did he know that this would lead to his imminent death so he's so he freaks out he's like what why <laughs> you know he doesn't understand so he wasn't a he talks to therapist therapist says he's schizophrenic um he says he's not he goes talks he finally talks to a literary guy who's played by dustin hoffman um and uh professor hilbert is his name in the in the show and he tries to figure out you know are you in a comedy are you in a tragedy what kind of book are you in you know if he's if you're if we're trying to if we're going to go down this path that you're actually in character in a book which kind of story is it and and that's a kind of a humorous way to go through the different types of stories there are out there um at one point he says are you in a comedy or a tragedy he says does anybody out there um dislike you and he says professor hilbert i'm a tax agent <laughs> everybody hates me <laughs> so um so they go play with that and in the meantime he goes to audit this um woman at a, a bakery she owns her own bakery he has to go audit her she's very anarchist as you would say um and she didn't pay her tax she didn't pay all of her taxes because he's like you didn't pay your taxes she goes no i paid all of the taxes i felt i sh i wanted to pay says the the part where you go and, and pay for the war i didn't give you that money but i gave you all the other money to help feed everything like that so he has to audit her and figure out how much she owes and it gets pretty kind of uh, dicey between them, but it also ends up creating a situation where they learn a lot more about each other and start to have a, a relationship. And it's, it's a very beautiful way it happens. It's not normal. Uh, but there's this one guy who's reviewing the, the movie who, who keeps saying that that one scene where he wins her heart is why he'll never find love because he expects too much out of it because <laughs> it was so perfect. It's like, it's ruining me. Um, and I'm trying to, I don't want to give a lot away, but the, the real story in my opinion behind the scenes is not necessarily his um, search for what's going on. It's you also follow the author who's writing the book and her, she's got, uh, writer's block because she can't figure out how to kill him. <laughs> she's got to find a she's got to find a way a believable way to kill him, and that's apparently that's what she does. Is she writes books every seven or eight years or a decade or whatever, and the protagonist always dies in them. And it's uh, her. She's like like Professor Hilbert says he's one of her favorite authors because she um, is such great. Her stories are so wonderful and and. Um, beautiful, just beautiful pieces of literature, right? And so she's trying to figure out how to kill Harold Craig. So she's going to, she's imagining all kinds of things. You see her imagining it and what she's going through to do that and what she's putting herself through to do it. Uh, she's like basically withering away and smoking and trying to, you know, standing in the rain, trying to figure it all out. She's, it's, she's all in trying to figure this out. And the book company that's supposed to be, that they're waiting for this book for, you know, seven or eight years, um, sent an assistant to her to get her going again, to get her to uh, get her writer's block broken. So she's going through that process. 
the character Harold Crick, who's the played by Will Ferrell, he's going through his process. Everybody in the in the movie, the main stars of the movie, right? They're all going through something, and this event ends up changing everybody's lives in some way or another. So it stars uh, Will Ferrell, um, Emma Thompson, who plays the the writer. She's wonderful. I mean, she's just fantastic actress. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is in it. Uh, Queen Latifah plays the assistant by the, from the book company. She does a great job in it. And uh, one of the guys, um, I can't remember his name. Um, and I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. I can't remember who it is. But he's he's in there as his, his friend, his tax agent friend. And then the two guys, there's two other tax agents that are in there kind of in the background. They have a couple of speaking parts. And it's two guys from the Sonic commercials. You know, they sit in the car and talk yeah. and stuff like that. It's those two guys. He's, I've seen them in movies before, a little bit here and there. They get little mm-hmm. bit parts, and they do a funny little bit in this in this movie too. So um, that's kind of the main sport, main cast of it. Oh, and and sorry, the um, Maggie Gyllenhaal plays the bakery owner, so the anarchist. So mm-hmm. um, those cast of characters, those actors. The writing is impeccable. The direction, the the movie, the way it's directed and shot, the cinematography, amazingly good. And the end of that story, I have a hard time thinking about it without crying. It is so powerful, the way it ends. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's just, uh, I, like I said, I don't go into a lot of the details on it, but it is uh it really does do a good examination of what is a life mm-hmm. what is life worth you know that sort of thing and um are you really living yours and what you should be doing to to really live yours before it's too late to you know so some people don't get a push until they hear the news you're going to die right in like two weeks or whatever mm-hmm. that pushes people to do things and if you would just embrace that now and move forward with that then you might find your life getting a little different and more like what you imagined it would be and not what it is. So hmm. wonderful movie. That's uh that all I have to say about it though. Let's is, is, questions. That, is that concept why you chose it? That's part of the reason why I chose it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and it's really more about, so if you, if you've ever studied literature, this movie really just folds in on itself several times and reexamines the whole concept of literature to begin with. Um, I think I think it does a really great job of that. Some people call it a nihilistic view of of the world, and some people say it's more of a, a understanding, you know, the value of life type of thing. But uh, I also think it's a, a really interesting play of a writer playing on all the literature that they've read and and went through in a way that kind of subverts a lot of expectations and changes the paradigm of what a story can and can't be. Hmm. Now, I may be overselling it at this point, but <laughs> that's just my opinion of it. I think it's no. it, it's no. always no. meant a lot to me when I've seen this movie, and that's part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah. But there's no reason to apologize for the music for any of that. Yeah, and the music in it is awesome too, and it's uh, it just really hits the right notes. Um, so I mean, in the soundtrack, I, I've got the soundtrack, I've got the movie, so I watch it anytime I want to. Obviously, so. Um, 
I do recommend if you can ever find it on <laughs> streaming anywhere to go watch it. Otherwise, there's other ways to find the movie <clears throat> that uh, we may know about. But <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a really great movie, and it really deserves to be praise a lot more than it is because it was like i said it bombed at the box office because it was will ferrell and he was doing a serious serious like role i mean there was comedy in it and he does some fun stuff and it's there's some funny lines but it's not a comedy not a broad comedy like he's used to being yeah, and that's what everybody was expecting and they all got bored and didn't understand it and left halfway mm -hmm. through and if you leave halfway through the movie you don't get it <laughs> i mean the story is the end of this movie um and that's what you're leading up to Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Harry? No, no, no. I think uh that's it. I think someone told me about this movie, but I, like yeah, it wasn't on my radar when this thing came out. But it, yeah, it was yeah, it sounds very interesting. Like, you know, definitely have to give that thing a watch, but if I can find it. <laughs> fair enough. I think you can find it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go right into talking about it. I'm going to use the shortened version of this this title, so I don't have to say the whole thing the whole time. So I'm just going to call it Bunny Girl Senpai. No, the whole thing, every time. Absolutely not. The whole thing. So for it, there's a lot. You got to say the least. You got to say it at least once, right at the oh. beginning. So when I write, write, write docs for work, mm -hmm. we have companies and they have the whole company name, and we always say right. the company name, and then in parentheses, the short tag we're going to call it the rest of the right. document, and then we go there. So right. you need so, to do the beginning. So I'm talking about Rascal Does a Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, and the movie that finishes basically the arc of the 13-episode the season, which is Rascal Does a Dream of Dreaming Girl. Um, The one of the main narrative crux of the entire show is the concept that they created or, or used no, what that they call puberty syndrome in which your mental health and your mental, your mental and emotional health can manifest physically on your person. So the, the first example we really get, get of it is the main character, Sakta, his younger sister Kaede is minding her own business when she starts getting cyberbullied from kids at school because she wasn't there and wasn't interacting with them. So they started bullying her and telling her that she needs to go die and kill herself. And she walks into his room and then just cuts start appearing on her and she starts bleeding and collapses. And then she just it just manifests physically on a person. Sakta himself, during this event, gets ma a three massive like claw marks, like a giant bear mark across his chest, that he doesn't know where it came from and he doesn't understand it. Do, do I need a content war warning banner for you? No, no. All right, okay. Just you know, just wondering. You know, I just you know, it's just all right. All right, continue. Sorry. Right, but because he's a middle schooler, everybody doesn't. They, they don't believe that it just manifested itself. So he ends up in a in a low point in which he, as a middle schooler, goes to this beach and this high school girl comes up to him and starts 
talking to him and tells him that she believes him and starts helping him work through it mentally, uh, helping him work through the fact that people aren't believing him and that for you, it's better for you to be a better person every day than it is to suffer and be resentful for people who don't pay attention to you. It's better to be kind than it is to resent others. So the concept of puberty syndrome is the main crux of all of the arcs because it manifests in different ways. So in the first episode, you end up, you end up getting introduced to the titular bunny girl senpai um, named Mai. And you meet her with Sakuta in the library. He's just reading a book. And this girl walks by in like a playgirl bunny outfit. Like a Playboy bunny outfit with the, the, the leotard and the high heels and the cufflinks and the bunny ears. And nobody's paying attention to her at all, except for him. Sakuta's the only one that can see her in this entire library. And he's like, hey, senpai, I know you go to my school, and why are you dressed like this? And she's like, well, it's better, This my warning is don't, don't be near me, and you'll be fine. And her puberty syndrome is that people are forgetting that she exists because she was a, a childhood idol. Like she started on a TV drama at the age of six. And then when she was getting into high school, she had a falling out with her mom, who was her agent. And she decided that she didn't want to be in the industry anymore because her mom pushed her to do something she wasn't comfortable with. And she decided, screw that I'm on a hiatus and I just want to forget about it. So people started forgetting that she existed. And the first arc, which is the first three episodes, is about Sakta helping Mai get through her spout of puberty syndrome. And the first arc, the first three episodes, the ending of the third episode has, is, has an emotional core that some other shows don't reach win a full season. When you're watching a character basically putting his own health on the line to make sure this person that he cares about doesn't go away. Because at a point, he discovers that if he goes to sleep, she doesn't exist anymore. So he ends up staying up for days, drinking energy drinks while still trying to focus on doing exams and what her watching him go through this and her feeling terrible that this guy who's who, who she barely knows is putting his everything into helping her. And it just kind of plays to who Sakta as a main character is. One of his friends really describes him in a, in a very solid way, which was the best part about you is that you aren't afraid to say thank you. I'm sorry, and help me. Somebody who is who understands who he is and is willing to get what he needs from other people. And the series goes through a lot of different characters dealing with different emotional aspects of themselves and how it affects them on a physical level. Like, one girl has anxiety, that about a decision that she made so she keeps repeating the same day over and over again and only Sakta and her know that it's repeating because 
they bumped into each other on one of the earlier episodes and it and it caused a connection and like somebody is has like an identity crisis on who they are as a person because they they matured faster than their body matured faster than the other girls so she doesn't like her own body but and is very intelligent but feels like her intelligence gets ignored because of how fast she physically grew up and it touches on a lot of emotional issues while also having solid humor and dialogue, the the way the dialogue is written for characters like Sakta, who does who his whole personality is that he really doesn't care what other people think because he doesn't really understand how to read the room properly. So a good example is that he's flirting with Mai, and she like grabs his arm and she goes, "Uh, I bet you're thinking some really lewd thoughts right now." And he goes, "Uh, probably a hundred times more lewd than you can imagine." And she immediately pushes him away. He's like, "What the fuck?" And that kind of that all the characters really flow into each other when they're talking about things. And the dialogue in particular is one of the things that actually inspired my own kind of writing when I write how characters talk to each other because it's very natural dialogue where even though they're talking about a subject, there are points where they just randomly tangent off in the middle of talking about stuff. Like the, his friend, the science girl, um, she, they're, they're discussing this whole thing of her, of my disappearing. And she's making coffee using a Bunsen burner and beakers. And he, he, they're talking about it. She pours him the coffee. Goes, here's your coffee, and here's the sugar. And it's this vial that just has all the scientific information about sugar on the outside. And in the middle of the conversation, he's like, "Are you sure this is sugar?" She goes, "I mean, it was white when I put it in, so I think so." Anyway, <laughs> and they just kept talking like 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 nothing happened. And it's one of those kind of di- it's the the dialogue that they they easily weave serious and playful with one another. And that and that inspired that affected my own personal writing as well, um, without losing the emotional core of these characters dealing with very serious issues. That some pl- some things aren't they don't address some other media don't address very well, and they or they ignore it or they don't use it to its full extent. And with the fact that you're set a mystery early on because they don't explain what happens what where his scar comes from like immediately they don't explain it you have to wait and see how they reveal it or where it comes from and while when it does eventually get revealed it's a very satisfactory reveal that is um, that hits very emotionally powerful Uh, for me i rewatched it yesterday and there's a point about past halfway through the season where an episode starts and because I rewatched it, my perception of the, of that scene is completely different. So I immediately started tearing up instead of feeling the appropriate joyful moment that it's supposed to be giving me because I know what's going to happen. I know how this affects how, how this affects the, the plot as it further goes along. And watching these characters become closer together while dealing with 
their own mental issues and working together in a manner that weaves all their lives together in this tight knit group of friends that is very impressive to make all the characters that, that do appear have a personality and a reason to be there and that they are interesting when they are on screen. Like even some characters that you get less screen time, like, uh, Sakura's best friend, he's like a basketball player and he's, he's really good at playing basketball. And one of his jokes is that his girlfriend hates Sakta because he's an, he's a, he's a loner. He's like an outcast and she hates him. But every time she tries to confront him, his best friend just kind of ignores her and continues hanging out with him. But there's a, there's a moment where Sakta is helping somebody else, helping one of their friends out. And it's like two in the morning and he calls his best friend and goes, Hey, they're in trouble. Meet me here. And he's there before they even reach there. He bikes there and he's like, Oh, you told me, uh, he's like, Oh, you got here faster than I could. I thought and he's like, well, you told me to fly here and all I could do is bike. So I did the best I could. So it, for me, it's the emotional core of the show is very powerful and very well written and well done. All the characters are have a solid personality that that is very distinctly their own, and it helps me. It helped me personally with writing, and even though this is one of the more newer things I've watched because this this only came out in 2018, it caused me to have like a massive influence to the point where I, I still think about it. There's a reason I named the series after the show. Because they, I, it's constantly is one of those things that sit there in my brain. Um, I will say that one of the things that some people that I know, uh, Scalja, will not enjoy is the fact that the 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 main character Sakta realizes this is supernatural. He's like, "This is a supernatural thing that's happening. I don't understand it." So he goes to his science friend Futaba, the girl, and she explains it as best she can scientifically. So the whole concept of my disappearing, they use the concept of Schrodinger's cat, where she doesn't exist if she's not observed. So the only people who who know her and can see her means that she exists. And when there's nobody to know which ways, she's basically in a state of constant limbo where she exists to some people, but not to others. And they use a lot of like, it definitely feels kind of shoehorned in or tangentially connected. <laughs> like the, the concept that the, the reason that Sakta repeats time with the other girl is because when they interacted with each other, it caused quantum entanglement. So that's why like when it happens to her, it happens to him since they're entangled. So while the the scientific stuff might not be exactly accurate, I get where they're coming from. It kind of makes it because you have a character that doesn't believe in the in the supernatural aspect of it. She doesn't believe that it's supernatural, so she has to come up with a reason why it, why it exists. So, and using scientific concepts to explain supernatural, a supernatural instance makes it easier for them to understand how to deal with it even if it isn't exactly accurate. Was it like that, you know, because 
no one really goes to shows unless they're uh, trying to you know be 100 accurate other than reinhold <laughs> oh the scoucher the scoucher oh, yeah. will care <laughs> as i said some people we know a scoucher would hate the fact that they kind of use it as a as a narrative point instead of it being like 100 accurate <laughs> but i'm also not a quantum scientist i don't know quantum mechanics so i can't confirm nor deny that they use it properly or not i mean i'm going to be talking about the coming upcoming episodes uh science fiction writing and that's going to involve hard science mm -hmm. i don't know if you've heard of that hard science yeah, fiction and that's really got to be scientifically correct it's it's right. very stickler so which I totally understand, but th th definitely this is more of leaning towards the supernatural and somebody using science to explain the supernatural. Like, that's kind of why I wanted to kind of bring it up when we we're talking to um, Rimzo on the, mm. the when we we're talking about it because the whole concept of they use science as a way to explain the supernatural in, in some way, shape, or form. Well, I, I did that a little bit during that conversation right. too. I was trying to go into that exactly. So while it might not be the most accurate use of it, I'm not a theoretical physicist, so I can't confirm nor deny that things that they said when they start talking about, you know, superpositions in the universe and, sh and shit like that. I was like, cool, cool, cool. I see what you're coming from. I don't know if that works that way, but... A lot of literature too is is you just suspend this suspend belief and just go with what's being told to you and the narrative is being driven to you because you know if, if you're too critical of it that way you're going to end up running ruining just about any piece of literature right yeah pretty much um, but like in, like I was talking about strange and fiction where's the science behind right. a person being in a plot you know in a, in a book and being up and walking around and stuff it's it's right you have to kind of mm -hmm. suspend that disbelief. Mm -hmm even when they are talking science, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I will just put it out there. It's on both. Last time I checked is on both Netflix and Hulu, but mm -hmm. the season is the, the movie. Um, you'll have to find your own way of watching the movie. I don't know if you got an official Western release or not, uh, but I, when you do watch it, I do. I do highly recommend you watch the movie because the movie really brings the entire 13 episodes together. It feels like it's the culmination of everything the 13 episodes built to. Mm -hmm. And like Firefly. Yeah. Serenity. Okay. Yeah. But it's definitely a very, very interesting watch. If any of it interests you, I would, I would suggest giving it a watch. Uh, the comedy, the, the, the dialogue's great. The, the comedy can be kind of ridiculous. I mean, there's not. I've never seen any other show where the main character uh, owns an asshole by by loudly exclaiming that he's a virgin. So there's that. Because mm -hmm. the guy was spreading rumors that this girl was a a whore and sleeping with him, and wow. and he's like, uh, "I'm a virgin. Get fucked." Mm. <laughs> mm. On my level. Exactly. All right. So. Yeah, you know, is the reason why you picked this is because you know it did help influence your writing style, or is yeah, it, 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 it influenced my writing of the the way the dialogue interacts, but also the fact that it's just kind of it's one of those shows that after I watch it had always been just kind of in the back of my mind. It's it's one of the ones that lingered that I hadn't 
rewatched it for like a year and then but still was constantly there just in the back of my head i was just constantly thinking about it like after i watched it there was a couple there was like a solid like three months where every time i saw a scavenger i was like i should rewatch bunny girl senpai i should just rewatch it i thought it was really good i should just rewatch it and which i'm glad i did and it still got me to cry because of course it did it's like because... I'm not doing anything. Let's just watch some bunny groups. <laughs> right? It's like, and it got me to cry because it, you get invested in the way these characters are and the fact that the characters. There's a bunch of things that really show you how who the characters are. It's like Sakta is talking to to another person. Is like the three phrases I always want to hear from another person is "Thank you, you did your best, and I love you." Hmm. And like that, those and for him, those are like the three things you always want to hear from somebody that you care about, be it a parent or a sibling or a loved one. Yeah. And it kind of just shows, like, again, it just kind of shows you that, that he's all about being kinder to the next person. And that's why he's able, that's why he's willing to kind of go out on a limb for all these people he, like, just met. Like, he met my when she's just randomly walking around the library, and he just goes all in to help her. Because he's also going through the syndrome. He also knows his sister was going through it. So, yeah. You know, Reinhold, you could uh, put an avatar image. So when you turn your camera, you know, it gives you something neat to see. You're muted again. See, you can do like this, which is really neat. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I just hadn't got around to it yet because, you know, professional. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. What are your thoughts, Reinhold? Um, man, I don't know. It's a uh, anything that can that make you emotional. It can it reach into your. I mean, that's the whole point, in my opinion, of literature and entertainment like this. That it has to affect you in some way mm-hmm. emotionally, like to make you think about things a certain way or a new way that you hadn't mm-hmm. thought of before, or. Mm-hmm pull an emotion out of you that you weren't expecting the need to have felt at that time, you know, and it, especially if it hits at the right time at the right place. Like um, I, I have, I don't want to get into too much of an example, but there was this one time where I was watching this movie and it just hit me be, because of the situation I was going through was almost identical to what was happening in this movie. And it mm-hmm. just really floored me for that reason. And, you know, there's there's things like that. I mean, that that's my opinion. The height of literature. Trust or, me, Reinhold. There's a reason why. There's a reason why your line April's on the list. And when we get into it, there's a reason it's it has to be when Harry's talking about something more positive and light, because it's going to get real dark, real fat, real fast. Both for me emotionally, because I watched it at the at the time I watched it, and what it's about. We're we're gonna get there. Trust me. When you, you just talked about. Put a pen in it. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those. All right, and soon to be former uh, moderator uh, <laughs> Esquadra Plus says at the break work. Oh, it'll be April before we covered. Ha ha. Well, I'll have you know we did it two times in a row. Thank you. No. As one gets promoted, the other must be demoted. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Notice I don't have a cog next to my name in the channel. Exactly. So what do you guys want to talk about next time we do this? Well, for me, I think I'm going to go since um, 
I did two Gundams. That means I may have to. I'm going to leave the world of Gundam and go to the land of Samurai. Let's do Baruna Kenshin. Okay. Yeah. 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 Reinhold? Um, I'm thinking the term. Pull it up now so I can see what was on my list here. Um, it's going to go like we, Kids and Hogs go. season four. <laughs> Kids in the hall again. Again. Um, maybe we'll do. I have four left, and mm-hmm. they're all interesting in their own right, but they're also going to be mm-hmm. kind of. One of them's going to be real quick, like this one. It's another movie. It's called Ellie's Story. So I'll probably mm-hmm. just do that one for now. And then City Lights is another movie that I want to do. So just do a string of movies for now. So you're going to do LA Night? Uh, LA, yeah, Story? LA Story. LA Story. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say uh, Charlie's Chaplin City Lights, which, spoiler alert, I feel is the most romantic movie ever made. Uh, um, I will save that for near the end. So, Rhino, I think Seriously. Discord makes your mic terrible because as soon as you turn the Discord on, your mic went all wonky. I wonder if it, it is Discord is still in it. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Harry, I think it's time for me to talk about Oh Run High School Host Club. That's what I will talk about next time. Is over in high school host club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lighthearted. Yeah, very lighthearted. Um, you know, one of the few lighthearted things on my list. Yeah, I've got Rory Kitchen. That's that's yeah, yeah. But it's only lighthearted so they could just wrench it from you. <laughs> it's lighthearted until it isn't. <laughs> yeah, until it isn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that leaves the last three. One one is waiting on you. One is waiting. I need uh, to make sure a scalger has a weekend open. I'm going to do initial D last. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, that last show is going to be miserable. <laughs> that last show is going to be miserable. I can't, I can't say... I can say that the LA story is a really is a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's an upbeat comedy. So you, if you wanted something light to, to counteract what you're talking about, we can do that then. I, I can, mean, it's I up can to time you. it that's, with you. The, the, trust me, the reason why I, that one I'm waiting for Harry to do initial D is because all of Gundam is sad and Roroni Kinchin can't, it will be sad. The only thing that mm-hmm. isn't like um, emotionally damaging is initial D because it's cars racing cars. There's emotion. Yes, I know there is, but nowhere near as much as the other ones. You, you, you can't tell me that you. When the AE86 engine blows. God, here versus those Evo. Your head, your head would probably cry at that, right? Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or how about when? Cascade, okay. Oh. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But yeah, I have one that's waiting on Harry. I have I have to make sure a scout is open for a weekend to talk about Future Diary because that, that one's trash. Oh yeah. man, it's so trash. It's gonna be so great to watch with somebody else. So okay. trash. And the last one's last one's the most recent thing, and that's also just a manga. And that's gonna yeah. talk about the the spiral that it caused. <laughs> All right, so the next order of business. Um, when do we do our next six-hour show? 
or sorry, not six, four, four hour show. Oof. True. Yeah. So me personally, November 24th, which is Black Friday. Um, I do like because, you know, I'll be off. Easy for me. Uh, so. I have genuinely no idea what my work schedule is until three weeks beforehand. So it's a Friday night. It's Thanksgiving. It's the, the day after. after the, my job is, is open 365. Is... 365. If, if we literally yeah, aren't. Even even vac- even like Christmas and shit. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it would be Friday night, though. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's open 365, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Hmm. So once I know what that schedule is by that time, I can tell you. I could probably tell you what my schedule is up to the first week of November, starting tomorrow. <laughs> well, we need to put a date so people can know that they need to tune in for that Friday. We have hundreds we can, and just hundreds do of a people. Conditional date, and then if we change it, we can let people know. All yeah. right, Ryan, do you like Black Friday? Uh, I like Black Friday in the fact that I get to sleep in and. Um, kind of let my body recover from all of the food I ate the day before mm-hmm. because, oh my God, that's what the whole holiday's for, right? Yeah. For eating way too much food. And I already eat way too much food to begin with. So when I eat way too much food, <laughs> that's a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the American American holidays. It's yeah, the- so, so Black Friday's great. You get to sleep, yep. kind of so sleep in. You can take it easy. You have Friday. your you have your turkey sandwiches that you have from leftover turkey with the mayonnaise. It's just, it's the best day, right? Oh, by the way, Scadjo, we already talked about this. I, I told you this, it's trash. And I told you that you're going to come over to my house and we're going to watch this trash together and laugh at how trash it is. <laughs> That's fair. I agree with him. You should watch Over the Garden Wall. It is very short cartoon. Very Halloween spirit. W A L or W A L L? W A L L. All right. Uh, so I'm going to end this episode before it gets too long in the tooth. Um, thank you, everyone who was tuning in watching this. Uh, actually, put us out on the face, too. So thank you. If you watch this long, you can listen to anything else in the world, but you decided to listen to us. And that, I thank you. Um, Thanks for having a good note. We see you guys next Monday and tune in for uh, November the 25th for our four hour walnut special, which that Friday night show needs it. So I'm going to go off and try to pull some more of the uh, wall network people in there. I am going to try to pull, I'm actually going to try to see if I can pull Miranda. It's going to, you know, she might need a microphone. So I might send over down uh, to Vincent's house to hang out. Damn it. Just hang out with him. <laughs> yeah, just go over there. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, no, I'll probably have her come over here because I've got I've got a two mic set up. Mm-hmm. And I'll be okay. drinking there so I actually can party with somebody. Yeah, we'll somebody also drink. I know, but she'll probably yeah, yeah. So we'll sit here. I'll, I'll move the mics and we'll be at the Katatsu getting drunk. <laughs> watching you guys like yeah. smashed. Smashed. Yeah, no. Four hour stream turns into mm-hmm. a twelve hour stream, didn't even realize it. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye, Reinhold. Bye, Reinhold. <laughs>